Hello, I'm Claire from Wild Ginger Running, the trail and ultra running YouTube channel. And this is the podcast version of my weekly live chat with an athlete, coach or other running expert. The link to the original film on YouTube is in the show notes. Check out my Instagram and YouTube channel for more training advice, inspiration and gear reviews. Everything is Wild Ginger Running and my blog is wildgingerrunning.co.uk. Support me on Patreon if you enjoy this free advice at patreon.com slash wildgingerrunning. Enjoy this podcast and see you next week for more. Good evening and welcome to Wild Ginger Running with a Scotney Takeover. We're well into March now. How are we doing, Jen? Yeah, all right. Excellent. <laughs> Still here. Still here. You always kind of look a bit shell-shocked when we start going live. As if like... <laughs> I think it's just because I'm... I never do anything to say what. I thought you were like, what are you up to? But it's scripted. You're so good at acting this bit. We do actually script this bit completely. It's well scripted and Jen is just kind of playing along. Well, I hope you've enjoyed the sunshine. It's been an amazing sunny afternoon here in the Peak District. Spring is really starting to feel like it's coming around the corner, which is quite nice, isn't it? And a couple more weeks and the clocks change. Who's our guest we've got tonight? We've got Moira Sullivan. Who I feel could have made more effort with the outfit for um, St. Patrick's Day there. (laughs) I mean, come on. I just thought you'd be annoyed that I'm wearing Salomon and not Montaigne. No, we're not not brandished. We'll put the uh, photos over that so you can see that. (laughs) I've got got a Montaigne hoodie on anyway, so I'm... I'm well on brand, so it's, it's okay. My 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 logo out trumps yours. But yeah, happy. Do, do we say happy St Patrick's Day? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you meant to say it with more of a slur, as if you've been drinking all day. Ah, so, so, yeah. Let me go and get my pint of Guinness and uh, get my beer. And your Irish stereotype. Yeah. 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 No, we're all stone cold sober because we're all locked down at home. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> So you've not been kind of rushing down, getting all your kind of bevies in then and your whiskers and your Guinnesses ready? No? No, I'm, I'm a really, I'm a professional athlete. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, I shouldn't be laughing. You, no, you I are realize I have to stay sober for this. So, yes, no, we'll, we'll celebrate afterwards. Oh, oh so, so normally you would die this time on St. Patrick's Day. Be, be um, kind of flawed. It depends. Ach, not really. No, no. no, no. We're only teasing. We sound. Too old. Well, that is a problem, isn't it? You do get to a certain age, and um, drinking and hangovers are just not a, a pleasant thing at all. Yeah. But anyway, so let's introduce our guest properly. And once an hour, we're offended. <laughs> yeah, sorry. That, <laughs> that was completely unprofessional. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Am I supposed to do the bio? Yes. <laughs> anyway, we have Moira O'Sullivan. Where are you at the moment, is... Moira? I'm in Ross Trevor in Northern Ireland. And as I showed you just there, the mountains are over. There. Oh my goodness, what a view. Yeah. You're missing that over if you're mountains. listening on the podcast, but you have the mountains out of your window. Yeah, no, I chose, I can get onto the Mornway in five minutes. So I chose, I chose my place of residence well. Fantastic, yeah. It's always good to get some good trails from your doorstep, isn't it? And to be able to get straight out running is oh, so imp- kind of so important. But anyway, sorry, we interrupted. <laughs> I was that, just going to say that. that you're a mountain runner and adventure racer and now, well, author of, is it four books that you've written? Yeah, this is my fourth, yeah. <laughs> I've got, I don't know how this happened. My degree's in chemistry. And oh, really? <laughs> And my master's is in development and management. I used to work for NGOs in Kenya and and uh, Cambodia and Nepal. So I don't know where the writing came, but it just kind of happened. Yeah. So which was the first book that you started writing? So the first book I wrote is called Mod Sweat and Tears. And that was I started mountain running in 2006. I just come back from Kenya and I moved to Dublin with a new job. I had no kind of social life or friends I did, or I, everything was new. So I was invited along to a mountain race and I just got, I absolutely hated it and absolutely loved it in equal measure, I think. <laughs> so I got really addicted and I ended up doing something called the Wicklow Round. It's basically the Bob Graham Round equivalent in Wicklow Mountains, just south of Dublin. And I went out in 2008 and I, it was meant to be 26 mountains. 
I got round 24 and then kind of collapsed. So uh, it was a bit of a, a letdown and I was quite disappointed with myself. And then I went back out the next year and because nobody else was really thought it was a good idea to go do something like that, I became the first person to do the Wicklow round. And I wrote the book because I just got so much out of doing, doing the round. I just grew an awful lot as a person. I discovered lots of things like my strengths, my weaknesses. And people were saying, oh God, it must be so horrible. I was like, no, 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 no. I actually grew and discovered an awful lot. And it was amazing to go out and spend a whole day in the mountains. So I wrote the book about that. And then I just kind of put it there, self-published. And uh, then uh, six years later, I had my first child in 2013. And um, I must admit, I, my maternal clock never really ticked. So I, I struggled, I must say I struggled. And for me, I turned to, actually, because I was living in a place with not many mountains, I ended up doing one day adventure races, which are like off-road triathlons. They're like mountain running, road biking and kayaking. They're quite big over here in Ireland. So I went and, and trained for those. And so I wrote the book, Bump, Bike and Baby, Mummy Goes Adventure Racing. <laughs> we are putting these um, these books up as you speak. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so the book was really just trying to say, you know, trying to see how you juggle pregnancy and being a new mom and your, your change in identity, which for me was quite um, a shock to the system. And I want to share that kind of the, the book that I would have liked to have read before getting pregnant about how you can still be an athlete, but also have kids. And then um, my husband, Pete, asked me to write a book about my dog. So that's, that's, <laughs> that's kind of just a bit random. <laughs> so what, what was the, why did you have a book about the dog? Because I was just saying that, you know, a book about Sherlock would not be in that exciting read because he doesn't do anything. <laughs> the dog has had a more interesting life than most human beings I know. <laughs> And then I have to I have confession when I so when I was doing a bit of research and I and I was kind of doing the googling and the hand from Hanoi came up. I was like wondering, is there another Moira Sullivan? Who's written another? <laughs> kind of like to me, it was just a bit of a kind of left out of a traffic light. So I was like, I had to kind of click on this and do a bit more research. I was like, really? So you got running around a Wicklow, you have got adventure racing, and then this dog, but it just. Oh. Why not? Why not? We, we, we picked him up in Vietnam. We were living in Vietnam at the time. And, uh, it, you know, Pete just loved the dog so much that we then, I got a job in Nepal. We had to move the dog to Nepal and then move to Cambodia and then try and get him back to the UK. And, you know, the dog just, like, in a way also the dog was, this is before myself and Pete got married, kind of made our family. It was like, you know, it was kind of the test to see if we could actually stay together <laughs> you know how it is so um yeah so i wrote that book and then um in then in 2018 um pete got unwell it was like june july in 2018 and he was diagnosed with depression and within six months two days after christmas 2018 he took his own life and i've been picking the pieces up ever since so that's two just over two years now and I decided that all those books I've written before there's always been hang on this is kind of the narrative but this is my experience so with mountain running you know there's the joys of mountain running a lot of people telling me how bad it was um but suicide I never really understood what it would mean to a family and and I know there was no roadmap to say, okay, this is how you get through it. So again, like Bump, Bike and Baby, I wrote the book to say, okay, hopefully if anybody is going through loss or if anybody is going through a suicide in the family, these are the things that help me. And for me in the book, it really is about doing something I love, which is actually being in the mountains and being around people who love and support me, um, which will turn out to be the mountain community. And the book as well. Um, you still see me, yeah? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. The, uh, the book as well, I know whenever somebody is in a bad place and they have suicidal thoughts, 
the last thing they can they have the energy to do is pick up a book but i hope maybe somebody will pick it up and they will read it and say i never want to put my loved ones through something like that ever because suicide the ripple effects you just can't describe it we will live with this for the rest of our lives his family his friends his work colleagues I, they still are torn apart and um that's what the book is really trying to add to that story about why suicide is such a bad idea but also for those who actually suffer through it what can you actually do to get to get back on move move forwards with your life yeah one of the themes that came out in the book was also how um it wasn't spoken about in terms of the depression either and the suicide so um it came as a shock to a lot of people didn't it that who hadn't known that your husband was ill in any way so um do you think that that's kind of changing at all now or does it feel the same as when you wrote the book and we're going through that i know see when pete got sick he did not want anybody to know he t- he he was petrified so even even if i brought the children to the childminder and i was maybe uh, a little bit late because i was help talking with Pete or or we were there was something about medical that I had to help him with um he would always say don't tell don't tell the childminder that I'm ill so no he just didn't want anybody to know and then when I did let people into the inner circle and they and I said listen he's not well he's got depression and they were bringing up conversation like a friend said god you know are you you diet or something you're losing a lot of weight and that was Pete's opportunity to say, well, actually, no, I'm not well. He went, yeah, no, diet, you're right. So so he didn't, felt like he couldn't talk about it. And ultimately, because he's a very, very intelligent person, like he, he, he ran a bank at one stage in his life. And so his brain was everything. And basically, the brain stopped working. And I think one of the reasons why I um, wrote the book is because a friend of mine was at the funeral and he was at the wake and the wake is a big thing in Ireland. And he afterwards said to me, you know, nobody said that he had committed suicide. You know, everyone was just saying it's just a terrible loss, terrible tragedy. And then I said, but, but how did people not know? Like, and so I was kind of, I was a little bit angry about that, to be honest, because I, when I lived in Kenya, um, I lived in Kenya uh, about 20 years ago, and there, the first week I arrived, there was a funeral in the local church, and there was a, a coffin uh, there with a 21-year-old lady inside, and on top there was a shoebox with her baby, and the two of them had died of AIDS. And people were like, you know, terrible tragedy. And there was a clear case of, this, there was a stigma around AIDS, and when then there was a lot of programs in Kenya about trying to break that stigma. And now, you know, we look back and say, God, I can't believe people were dying of AIDS. You know, people were talking about it. By talking about it, they realized that there was behaviors that could be changed or there could be medication developed. And there was a, there was a, the, the solution was found. And there's a part of me that wants this book to date. I want in 20 years time for people to go, because I think two years is too short. I think it hasn't mm-hmm. changed that much. But this is part of the conversation of hopefully in 20 years, people say, I can't believe people who have mental illness didn't feel like they could talk about it. Can you believe that? Can you believe that people actually who have mental illness, they were allowed, they, they had, they were able to think that the world would be a better place without them and that they believed it and they did, and they took themselves out of the world because of that belief. Like, I hope we get to that situation where we think, God, that's crazy. Yeah. But that's what's happening. Hmm. Yeah. And, 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 so how long did it take? So with the other books are very kind of, it's still personal, but there's a kind of a, a different aspect to them. And obviously with a quarter glass of milk, it's a very kind of raw personal story. How long did it take to kind of come up with the idea to kind of write, I need to? So obviously there's that desire to kind of get people to, like you say, be you know having these conversations and um, being able to have the opportunity to talk about the impact of suicide and feeling suicidal. So how did the, the, the germ or the seed for the book come about? 
knowing me, it probably came on a run. You know? <laughs> it's like, I, it, it happened in a lot of books. I just kind of running along going, I should write this down. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's like that, you know? Mm. Uh, I must admit, the way, even whenever I decided to contact, I knew um, I had somebody who was a, we were mutual Twitter followers. This is the way books get written, guys. <laughs> mutual Twitter followers. This is how we, how we met on Twitter. <gasps> no. Oh. Yeah. Random guys messaging <laughs> me. <laughs> so, so, so I, I, and I just said, oh, I wonder who she is. So I clicked on her bio and she said she was an editor at one of Ireland's, the largest Irish independent publisher. And then I saw that she was also a runner. I'm like, okay, so I had 140 words of what the book should be about. And I said, are you interested? I just sent her a direct message. And she just said, hmm, can you write more? Can you give me a bit more? And it just, it ended up being like that. So we actually decided, we agreed with the publisher. I was only three quarters written by the time we actually got around to agreeing. And she was just going, yeah, no, this sounds, this sounds good. This sounds about right. Um, and, and I started the book just before first lockdown. So February, 2020, and maybe thank God lockdown happened because it, it's, it, I, you know, book is 80,000 words, lockdown, a thousand words a day, got it written in three months. <laughs> and, and the thing is what I, you know, it was hugely therapeutic and hugely cathartic to write the book. Because I think when you have when you go through grief, like every morning, whether I liked it or not, I would wake up and there'd be just these thoughts, all these thoughts running around, regardless, everything from, you know, the boys growing up, um, my children were three and five when Pete took his life. How do I make the decision about them? What am I gonna do about the estate? What am I gonna do about where we're living? What am I, you know, and should I have said that to him whenever he was, was this why he got ill? You know, it was everything. And in a way, by writing the book down, all those words were put down onto paper. And then all of a sudden, I didn't have to think about them anymore. My brain was like, well, they're down on paper. So if you ever need to remember them, you should just go back to the book. And it's been, I've been a lot, very healed by writing that book. And also, as a, like I said, the boys were three and five when Pete died. And all my books actually have Pete in them in some shape or form. And I'm actually really glad I've written them because in a way, you know, when they're older, I'm going to go, hey, guys, we were together for 10 years. This is what happened in our 10 years. And they will always have that. And I am so glad I've written them down for that because my memories will fade. I can imagine that process of writing the book being kind of really therapeutic and personal. But how about kind of this, this publicizing the book? Like, how is that felt because I'm imagining that your personal journey is now kind of out into the world and you've got people like us just wanting to ask you about it and talk talk about our own experiences and how that re the book related so how has the publicizing been you know it's lovely because I don't know you know anybody who's had a loss you know if you kind of talk about them and maybe if the loss was was a difficult loss you know if I say to somebody in daily conversation ah you know Pete used to say that and it might slip out and they would go, they would go, oh God, she's talking about her dead husband. And they don't know what to say. And there's this blankness. Whilst because of the book, I get to just wax lyrical about Pete and people want to know about him. And it's just so lovely. I get to talk about him and remember him in a lovely way. So, um, yeah. Um, okay, I'm so it's not been like, uh, particularly difficult um, for like the last few weeks since the book's come out at all? No, and also I think what's been hard about the book coming out is that I've had a lot of messages from people who've written, who've read the book and they've gone, yeah, me too, I've had a hard loss. Me too, I've suffered with mental health and I wanted to do what Pete did. And what's broken my heart, especially like in the funeral as, as well, I was quite in shock, so I was able, I was functioning, but people would come up and say, my cousin, my brother, my sister, my friend, my, and I, that's what I find hard, is that it's just, the problem's everywhere. Hmm. It, and that is what is, is, and 
maybe that level of annoyance and frustration and anger is why I've written the book so that I can be one part in that cog that's, that can keep that conversation going so that we can fix this problem because it shouldn't happen. Yeah, as you say, that becomes a bit of a, yeah, people almost feel embarrassed at times, don't they? If, like, if you're kind of suddenly mentioning somebody who's passed away. I know, like, Jen, you talk very openly about your dad who passed away over cancer and we kind of still joke about it and it's really encouraging and it's not like oh no it's, you know. yeah but I do find that when you have suffered bereavements because I, I lost my brother straight like almost straight after my dad and so many people just don't know what to say to you so they don't say anything and that can make it even more isolating and I found which I think was a similar experience to you that actually the people that reached out to me weren't my closest friends they were friends that had suffered some sort of loss themselves and and understood yeah. that even you can't say something to magically take the pain away you can just say hi how are you or just really be there for somebody i thought the the best so i i I spent a lot of time listening to podcasts uh, about grief and the best advice i think you can give to somebody who wants to support someone who's grieving is show up listen don't fix yeah like literally show up just, you know, it was the people who literally came to my door and said, do you want to take the kids for, for a, um, for, to the park? Do you want to come for a coffee? And I've been told by a GP, a doctor friend who lives with really, it, he said, say yes to everything. Even if you don't want to just say yes, because you need to get out. And so people just showing up, what was, it was very understandable. People said, if you need anything, let me know. And I was sitting there going, I don't know what I need. <laughs> I don't have the energy to ask you. So it's the most, it is the most lovely, kind, well-meaning thing, but it really sucks as advice. <laughs> so sh- just show up, show up. And if, you know, and equally, if I didn't want somebody to think, and I could, I could say no. Listen and don't fix. Don't tell them it'll be better. The best people would just said to me, you know, I'd be crying and they go, yeah, this sucks. And I went, oh, yeah, no, you understand. Absolutely. And that was freeing to absolutely be right where I was and saying, that sounds hard. Tell me more. Advice of fixing me, it wasn't going to happen because it would be, I would say, yeah, but you don't know. And, you know, so show up, listen, don't fix. And actually a friend of mine in the back, I didn't want to give any advice in the book. I just said, wanted to be, this is the story. And a friend said, can you just give a wee bit of advice of what want to work for you? Just a wee bit. And that's the last chapter is what, what I've learned about grief. Mm. And hopefully someone will pick something up out of that that can help them um, with a friend who may be experiencing loss. I like the way that you just kind of let yourself try something and be like, okay, that didn't make me feel worse, so that was good. Or actually, I don't want to do that, so no, I'm not going to do that. It really was just finding your own way. And that's where what I find very interesting was that for me, running was a godsend whenever I, I whenever I came back to Ireland. You know, I joined the mountain running community. I found friends. I found a, a, a place places that I love in the in the outdoors. I found um, I found myself. So running was there for me, and that's why mud, sweat, and tears is so. I love running. I love running. And then bump bike and baby was very much after having the babies, you know, running kids are 24 seven. They like, if somebody tells you something different, it's incorrect. So I, if I was getting an hour to go out for a run, that was everything. Like I could just, it was freedom. There was no crying. I didn't have to think about nappies or, or as we say in Ireland, milk and shite. Didn't have to think about, you know, it was running was there. But then whenever Pete was unwell, and when he died, running was not there for me. I would, I went for a run whenever I was waiting for the funeral and I had this massive panic attack because when I, what happened was the process of running meant that everything that was in my mind, everything I had suppressed in terms of feelings and emotions and worries, they all just came out and they went, oh God, oh God, now you're a widow now, you're a single mother now, oh no, what are you gonna do, what are you gonna do, why did this happen? And I, I, I literally bent over double and couldn't breathe. And so that first year, this is what I also want to challenge is that sometimes say, ah, mental health, you go in the outdoors, you go running. And it doesn't work for some people. So for me as a runner, running was useless. 
So I actually started walking and I did my mountain leader at that time. And for me, walking with people and being with people who were just mountain people, not necessarily runners, was really healing and really therapeutic. So I had to find that out. I had to trial and error that, go for the run, say it's not working. Actually, I need to be doing some walking. And yeah. how, how quick did you discover that? I mean, because, you know, a lot of times we use running as a way of defining you'd been very successful as, as a runner. And so you're in a situation where you've lost Pete and then you're finding running isn't, like you say, this amazing therapy experience, as we so often say, you know, running is so good for our mental health. How, how did, how, you know, how did that realisation come about and how did it feel when you said you were actually... I've got to stop running or, or running's not being helpful for me. Kind of heartbroken. Yeah. The thing that you love so much is where the place where you're going to feel the most angry, sad, abandoned, everything. Hmm. Um, so I kind of then found even I could go into the mountains on my own and do navigation. Somehow counting paces from that... <laughs> One, two, <laughs> stop my brain from thinking about the other things. Um, and then I happened upon a couple, like a girl called Rachie, and you know she's she was a, a kayaker and a, an out, just generally to be an outdoor person, um, outdoor instructor and a rope person. And she just lost her mom. And we would we would walk into the mountains and walk off it and you know we kind of go yeah today's shit isn't it yeah great so let's do that feeling <laughs> i loved it when you just had that um like amazing fit of laughter on the belay <laughs> i thought there was going to be some like serious accident or something and then you're like somebody had shouted that they got a wedgie and you were just laughing but like realizing that was like probably like was that like the first time you've been able to just laugh and and kind of <laughs> you know? but but the thing is in the because I think also when you're when you know I'm going go and check collect the kids or whenever I turn up at a shop you feel like I'm my husband just died I'm not allowed to have experience any happiness any joy any laughter but out in the mountains you can just absolutely you know you can scream if you want or you can burst yourself giggling and nobody's going to judge you and I think it was great to have that freedom so the outdoors in itself just to be a place where a respite from being the hat of the widow and the, and the mama and single mom and the person who should be pitied nobody's pitying me out there I was kick-ass with all the ropes you know <laughs> and the wedgie and the wedgie <laughs> Yeah, so tell us a little bit about the mountains on your doorstep because I, I've never been to the Moor Mountains, but you made them sound so amazing. Oh, they're, they're amazing, the Moor Mountains. <laughs> Beautiful. The, What's I, this just... wall that you kept having to climb over? I couldn't work that out. It sounded all a bit Game of Thrones or something. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, if they built that wall nowadays, the Lilo Trace guys would be furious. <laughs> Uh, it goes back like a hundred years ago where they were trying to get water catchment areas sealed off from animals uh, to have the water for Belfast industry. And so, yeah, there's this 36 kilometer wall, which is eight, eight foot high, which goes over, I, I think, about 18 of the peaks. So wow. the major peaks and just basically uh, in cases the, the reservoirs which are there. So, yeah, it's a formidable wall. Um, <laughs> it seemed to crop up on most of the runs and walks that you were doing. But it's great to protect against the wind, though. But it then is. sometimes the path's not always on the right side. It does. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's okay. So no, and it's just they're massive granite structures. So really, you do get like a serious climbs and serious descents um, on the eastern side. The, the western side, where I am, it's a bit more boggy and everything, and, and undulating. So it's, there's a lovely variety. And what I love about the mountains in Ireland is there's nobody in there. <laughs> Whenever I go to Lake District, I'm like, where are all these people from? In fact, that's the Lake District behind you. So if you listen to this on the podcast, you can't, won't be able to see this, unfortunately. But if you're watching this live, yeah, that's that's the little boffin. I was thinking that was just up. the one about Buttermere. And yeah, then I was like, Buttermere. but maybe I'm just showing my ignorance because I don't you know, know I, the more I, mountains. <laughs> he bought me this in, in the Lake District whenever I was pregnant my first kid. And that's the thing, you know, sometimes whenever people... Um, people pass away like what do you do with the photos hmm. 
do you leave them out so that you're constantly seeing them or do you put them away or what do you do? Um, so for me, um, we have a wall with all the pictures of Pete, but I have lots of pictures he bought me. So I look at that and I think, Pete, Pete bought me that. That was a good time. I remember that. And I think that's, uh, that's, that's cool. That's good enough, you know? So, um, yeah, I have plenty of pictures of the Morans, but they're elsewhere. <laughs> well, that's the window, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, just, just look out the window. They, they're fantastic. They're, they're fantastic. You know, I think a lot of the, the first British championship race is often in the Morans. And um, I think we often help you out with a bit of mist just to give off a bit of advantage. That was a good excuse to get the, the get the you guys over here. Does, does the Morn Mountain Marathon still take place? Yes. Yeah, no, I was I did it last September. Yeah, it's a lovely, lovely event because again, it's, you know, it's quite a small event and uh, yeah, the planners are kind of evil. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm not sure I want to be up but, against you with all your <laughs> knowledge. I've been still trying to get over the wall. Well, there is a lot of kind of, it is very kind of tussocky in place. But I mean, I was working out there in 1995 as an outdoor instructor and the map was pretty, have they updated the map? Is there a new map of the Morning Mountains now? <laughs> We call it the map of lies. <laughs> that is very Game of Thrones. We've got the big wall and we've got a map which was originally mapped in 1920, I think. Um, it was some very... Yeah, it's kind of... No, they, we, I must admit, thank you to Harvey's for coming over and they've mapped it. Oh, and, uh, but can, can somebody explain to me why Harvey's has 15 metres for their each contour? Like, we still don't understand that. We're like 15, 30, 45, 60. It's, why? It's probably to do with the scale of the map, the one in 40. If it was kind of five or ten metres, it would just be so noisy. Um, too much information. I could do ten. Vote for ten. I could do ten, twenty, thirty, forty. Vote for ten. But talking about, about maps, and so, yeah, I mean, you said you were a, a chemist and then you kind of got into, you say you started writing books, what, back to running. But then also in, in the book, you kind of discover the walking and that also then leads you into a new kind of career, a new opportunity arises as well. Can you tell yeah. us a bit more about that? Yeah, no, I was, well, it was kind of the, the idea about starting Happy Ed Adventures was happening even when people was ill because I realized, you know, he wasn't able to work. I needed to still be there for him and for our three and five year old and be able to do some sort of job where I could, I was, didn't really hate it, you know, something I liked so that I could actually have some respite. So I, I, so as soon as, when Pete passed, I just accelerated that I had to start. And it was really the idea that I just saw mountain runners just running in really random directions. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, there's a story about you following them in the, in the random direction on, on one of the races. <laughs> so, it was really like so I and you know I've been very lucky in that I don't know I've seen I've seen Joe Faulkner on some of the the previous um interviews and chat and you know he was one of the people and other other individuals who taught me how to navigate and I kind of wanted to give that back to be able to um you know just to, for the sake of a couple of hours really five six hours you can get the basics of this is a map this is a contra this is a compass you know, don't try to decide which side of the that's a wall. That's <laughs> which side of the wall you want to be on. You know, and, I, and to get people because so I started just bringing up mountain runners who just wanted to learn the basics of navigation. And you know, I love it because you you can come down. They come down back to the car park and you can see them all just like, I can't wait to go and explore. You, that excitement, I'm like jealous that they get to go on all these new adventures that they and explore things just because they've got a couple of skills. So um, that's been, I've been, was doing that. And then I was helping people also prepare for mountain marathon, the more mountain marathon, because I've done it quite a number of times and learned a couple of tricks. Um, and so I, I do more advanced courses. But then I had people who were coming up to me and saying, do you know, like they live local, the morns are there. And like, I want to bring my kids in there, but I have no idea where to go. I don't know what they're meant to wear. I don't know, because you know, you see a lot of people, I don't know about you over in England, but you'll have people, Donner's the highest mountain in Northern Ireland, and you'll see people literally dragging their, their five-year-old up there in flip-flops. And you're like, ah, well done, you've officially put your child off the outdoors forever. <laughs> so, you know, trying to just bring out parents and say, okay, 
maybe this type of route, which doesn't cross any contours, might be a better route to take, or you know, or maybe break down the route so that you're kind of having less ambitious targets. And then, because I've done the Dennis Rankin round, the Dennis Rankin round is the equivalent of Bob Graham, but in the morns. I've done it twice. Even though I really should have only done it once, but I've done it twice. And um, you weren't doing a Mimi Anderson where you were trying to do it like two times <laughs> right. Once it gets twenty past twenty four hours, I get grumpy. Okay. So, there we just draw the line. <laughs> so um I bring people out just to have them wreck the roots, you know, because I just get you know, I got an, I got an awful lot from uh, from doing the Dennis Rankin round. I and I wanna give back. But also there's part of me is like, well I'm not a doctor. I can't fix mental health. And I saw whenever Pete got sick, how down he went, I was like, how is he ever going to get back up? I, I honestly did wonder because every time the medication came through, the doctor said, like, hey, we'll see in six weeks if it works. And I'm like, six weeks, you know, that's forever. So I feel like I, I can't solve that, but prevention might be better than cure. And maybe if I can help people have a couple of skills to get them out into the mountains so they can have the physical and mental benefits. Well, I'm on. That's a winner, absolutely. And maybe we just don't have people getting sick in the first place. That would be the, the ideal situation, you know. Right. And and is that why it's called Happy Outdoors? To happy kind of adventures. That's what we say. How are you? Cheese and happy out. Right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, and I just I didn't know what I wanted to do initially because I was thinking about doing orienteering as well because I really like orienteering. Um, but it was just so broad and I just wanted to see what, what people wanted and people just want simple skills. And like even I've even sometimes happy enough to I've had people come over from Scotland and they wanna they don't know the morns and I'll I'm happy to go for a job around with them. Shoot the breeze, you know. That's not know. a bad job, is it? <laughs> oh, absolutely no way. It's lovely. And I meet I meet the most fantastic people. So I really can't complain, you know. Um, yeah, so I'm happy at. And so how well did you know the Morns before you moved to your current position? Was that and did your first Dennis Rankin round? Did you know them before uh, then? I didn't know. Well, I kind of come up to do a couple of, I was living in Dublin. I came up to do a couple of races, okay. um, but I knew the Morns were stunning. And I'm originally from Northern Ireland anyway. So it was easy enough to, I'm actually, you ever heard of Dairy Girls? Channel mm-hmm. 4, Dairy Girls? Yeah. That's my school. <laughs> I get flashbacks. I get PTSD watching. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, but that's a, that's the other side of the country. So, Moors is near Belfast. So, um, yeah. So, I I always knew that they were beautiful, and because you know myself and people were wondering where we should live, and I said I don't care where we live as long as there's mountains. So we thought, and we came to compromise with the Moors. But yeah. So the and the the great thing about the rounds is it's, it's a brilliant way to get another set of mountains. Um, like I am just itching to go over to the Bob Graham and Charlie Ramsey and Paddy Buckley because it's just you you get to visit them all you know um, so the Dennis Rankin it was bringing me to some mountains I'd never been to and never really want to go back to either <laughs> <laughs> it sounds some kind of boggy pathless ones in your description of yeah. them they were <laughs> mad cossacks up to here um, so but you know and I I um and, and I really enjoy doing the recce's for for the rounds because normally you go, you know, you're doing A to B, so you hang out with some people and stuff, um, go for a nice run. Um, the day itself kind of sucks because it's kind of sore <laughs> with blisters and stuff. But yeah, no, I just I really like rounds. I think, and you know, I had I had a conversation with somebody recently about you know what's your next race, and the funny thing is, you know, the the reality is life is a bit stressful. You know, not just COVID, but I just got to, to, you know, in a household where you'd hope to have two parents. I've got, you know, just myself looking after everything. So it's, yeah, it's a bit stressful. And so for me, racing is just one too many stresses. I just find going out and, and equally, I feel like I can't push myself like I could have before, before Pete died, because I have this thought of, oh, but if I push myself, I'd absolutely collapse across the line. I still have to go home and walk after the kids and I can't be banjaxed. Do you want band dance me? Yeah, I've band jacks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that completely like. <laughs> so yeah, can't be band jacks. Excellent. So, so I can't. 
So in you a way, you could call it bollocks if you want to. We could, you know, they'll <laughs> <laughs> bleep it out on the podcast. But... I'm sure Claire never had any swearing. The amount of swearing that we got from Lily Anderson. <laughs> well, she set a new trend. <laughs> I will never forgive you. So <laughs> I've only got two more weeks left anyway. So. <laughs> and then you're getting fired because you don't realise. So the the thing about the rounds is, is you know, you even if you don't get under twenty four, sure, all it means is you don't get your wee name on on the web page. Sure, look at it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, so it's it's just a, a nice way of just you. It's you know, but okay, the Dennis Rankin first time I did it, I did it solo. Um. And, you know, I kind of wanted to, I was going for the, the, the record and, you know, it, it was, it was all kind of, I was really pushing myself and, um, kind of the wheels came off and that's fine. But then whenever, you know, here in Ireland, whenever it's a year after somebody's passing, there's normally an anniversary mass. And I was just like, I don't feel like that's me remembering him. I don't feel that that's a big thing. So at the time, a couple of months before Pete's first anniversary, you know, Paul Tierney, who's Irish and, um, you know, good lad, he um, he went off and did the Wainwrights and he and he raised money for mental health and in memory of Chris Sterling. Also, I had contact with Shelley Gordon and she had done the spine in memory of her partner who passed away by suicide. And I just thought, Do you know something, I'd like to go for a long run with some friends. And that's my way of remembering Pete. And the more I thought about it, you know, no, nobody had really done a winter round. Winter rounds are, you know, rounds are new here, so winter rounds are even newer. And I just thought, you know, it's he passed away the 27th of December. So it is, you know, winter rounds are normally any time from the 1st of December to the end of February. So I said, okay, well, why don't, why don't I go for a run around that time? You know, there's something called Darkness into Light here, which is very popular, which is five kilometers of people starting to run uh, before um, dawn and then they, they finish in the light. And it's thousands of people do this every year in Ireland where they remember people who've been, been affected by, by mental health issues and suicide. And I just kind of went five kilometers, 90 kilometers. Yeah, it's kind of like darkness into light, like oh, on steroids. So I just was like, and then I just didn't want to do it alone. So I asked all my friends to come along and and you know it's funny because I put up a post on the orienteering my local Lagan Valley orienteering site because orienteers if you tell them where to be at a certain time they always turn up and when you ask them to guide they know where they're going you know it's a win-win so I asked you know um, a lot of the orienteers and you know people said yeah no problem where do you want us how can we help Um, and it was just it was and so and I said listen there's nothing really more powerful that I can do except run in the dark and remember the struggles Pete went through. And I put it up in the post, but when we actually did the run, there was no hoo-ha, you know? We all kind of just met in the car because, right, should we go, lads? <laughs> yeah, I think you were like, oh, should I say a speech? No, I don't need to do that. Like, <laughs> no, 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 let's just go. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, yeah, so we did We did the winter round. I was kind of, I said to them, you know, I don't mind. You just go out, you know, if we get under 24, it's not a big deal. But, you know, I suppose there was a little bit of a, <laughs> go on, get under 24. And what I found just so amazing was when I did my summer round, you know, beautiful skies and light and, oh, perfect conditions. I did it in 21, 24, 21 hours, 24. And then when we did the winter round, darkness, mist, wind um with my friends it was 21 hours 24. we did exactly the same time and i put that down to you know being with those people but i think that is a strong strong message about mental health is that if you go alone it's a lot harder and there are people who want to if you reach out like i reached out and said would you come for a run with me people want to help people will come out at two o'clock in the morning and give you a cup of tea on the side of the mountain. They will do that, but only if you ask. And when you run together, you are stronger. You do go faster. You do get through things. And I think, that, you know, I, I, it was only after I finished, I was like, wow, that was kind of powerful. Yeah. 
I love that you had somebody from was it from your mountain leader assessment or from your mountain leader course that was crewing as well and bossing everyone around. <laughs> yeah, there was there was. Uh, it kind of seemed like there were a few different areas of your life coming together there. <laughs> yeah, and there was people who I didn't. I was like, "Who are you? <laughs> That's fine. Let's go." You know, the last group of guys, and they were just brilliant, you know. And um, and I was there was someone from Mountain Rescue, um, Liam stands in there at Harris Gap. And it was dark, pitch dark, and it was freezing cold. And he was down there in shorts. And I was like, excuse me? Am I hallucinating? <laughs> no, it was shorts. Made a party thing. So we've got a photo. I'm not sure if it's the start or the finish, but you're under the uh, Donald the Park. Yeah, what's the significance of the arch? Wow, we need to zoom in and see. I mean, no, you all look quite clean and fresh, so I'd probably yeah, say. <laughs> so petrified. So petrified. Um, yeah, so, but once we started getting going, um, it was, yeah, good time. Good. What, you know, did it you, was, um, yeah. what were you petrified of? Was it the run? Was it all these people coming out or just kind of keeping it together for that, that journey? Well, I know it's going to hurt. Like, runs hurt, you know? Um, and you just, there's so many things that can go wrong. So, it's like, and you know the things that you're worried about going wrong, they're not going to go wrong. It's going to be something else that's going to go wrong. And so, yeah, nerves and everything. And yeah, I, I find it difficult to run the dark. Personally, I'm quite scared of the dark. Like that sounds like, you know, put on your big girl pants. I sometimes think, but I do, I do find it quite scary. Um, but, you know, it's like tackling the things that you're harder, which is the hardest. I think, see, I think that's what helps people who've been in the mountains. I think the mountains teach us resilience. I really, really believe that. I think our lives are very, not being tried, but it's quite easy, like having been in developing countries, you know, I can see we have enough food, we have security, you know, we don't have to look for, walk for water. We don't have to think about whether we can afford school fees. You know, we have a relatively easy life. So I think sometimes then, you know, we need hard things. And so for us, when we live in a developed world, sometimes it's he it's helpful to go into the mountains to get that difficulty. And I think with the, because the mountains, I think, you know, I think I'm personally, I'm an exceptionally fragile person. I think I am, I get affected by things quite easily. So, you know, whenever, but I know I'm resilient. And I think I've learned that because if you're in the mountains, you can't just go give up and go, oh, you know, um, I, just, I, I can't go on at that. I just sit down and that's it. You have to get back up. And I think the mountains have taught me to get back up. And I'm really, I'm really, I'm very fortunate that I've had the mountains to teach me that really valuable lesson. I think we've got a photo of you on in the light. I think you're wearing quite a lot more clothes than other people. So this feels like it could be quite late on in the round. <laughs> is, is this the rather large photo? What's going to cover? Oh, no, it up? was no, no, not the race one. Sorry, we've put the wrong one. Up. No, no, I, I, no I, it was I, the one where they're all in a group together. Uh, I just quite. don't like it. <laughs> We're trying all the photos. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was messaging Carol Morgan. I was like, I hate the cold. What should I wear? And she had <laughs> gloves, lots of gloves, That's lots of sealskin socks. Yeah. So I had help from from. You're all up at a trick point. I'm not sure if that ah. one's from the round. Is that Steve, Steve Martin? Yeah. Steve Martin. Oh no, I just I love my I love all my jackets. You just <laughs> get warm. It's like having a little sauna inside <laughs> in the, of the round. So yeah. So yeah. No, I I think I think the mountains are just. I'm really. I'm really glad I found them and they found me and I'm glad about how much they've taught me. And sometimes I wonder, is this what's helped me get through? You know, what the mountains have taught me and the fact that I love them so much and I've got a place that I can go for. Like, in a way, what's brilliant as well, you know, we always talk about mindfulness, but I think the mountains make me mindful. I can't think about, I can't think about, you know, the future and I can't think about the past. I have to think now of, where am I going? What am I eating? What am I drinking? Am I safe? That's that's all I can think about. So all the the, the past and forward stuff, I don't have, don't have time for. And that's actually I find that's mindfulness. Just and the mountains make you do that, you know. Yeah, you're you're very present in that that moment, aren't you? Is that 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 now? You know, you can't be kind of always thinking about other stuff. It's, yeah, so many outdoor activities. Yeah, we just 
cause us to be very much in that now. So you know, same with running and climbing, and even that. They don't like darkness, but caving as well. That's um, yeah, very much. When you're in that moment, yeah, everything else almost just melts away, doesn't it? And but I wonder if focus. normal normal life, if you don't get that chance to be in the moment, does your brain never get a break? Well, I think this is what, I mean, maybe going off topic, but I mean, this is one of the reasons why there's such a fascination and interest in meditation and mindfulness now, but also why I think there's such um, an increase in things like trail running and ultramarathon running, because people are <clears throat> seeking those opportunities to be disconnected and to have that experience of being in the now. And, you know, it's a very easy way of kind of going into it. If, you know, a lot of people tend to be put off things like meditation and mindfulness because of the image of it and it's thinking of sitting there quietly for an hour or so. We're actually just starting off five, ten minutes um, can be a, an amazing way or a very good way of just connecting with it and learning that beginning of a practice. But it's not just about having an empty mind, it's just having that single single focus. Um, but, yeah, that, that, is, that is one of the amazing things of being in the mountains. And even when it's howling wind or beautiful sunshine, you've got those amazing views you, you're very much like I am just in this environment. I'm in this at this point, and I think especially on amazing views. I, what I like about the, the Mourns in particular is that I know they're millions of years old. You know, and here's like, you know, they they were there before me. They're going to be there when I'm finished. Really, I don't really matter. You know, in the scale of things, and I think we sometimes need to feel small and like, honestly, it doesn't really matter. You know, I remember I did the Camino de Santiago and I had like a lot of world questions, like, uh, you know, I was making big decisions in life. And I was like, OK, I'll do the Camino and I'll, I'll work out all the answers. And then I got to the end of the Camino and said, God, those questions are rubbish, weren't they? <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I'm just told, will you just wise up, will you? you know. <laughs> so it, in the end of... Oh, you're right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah. We'll try not to overrun too much tonight, like with, 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 with me. I was just going to ask. I think it's okay. Ask like at the end of the book, we leave you kind of a year on, but obviously that was a year ago. So I was just yeah. seeing how things had progressed in the last year. Was it as up and down as that first year, or were things starting to feel a little bit more? almost kind of settled but that feels like the wrong word but no I think I think you're right to ask the question because you know I, it's like what the doctor said to me um Henry said you know grief is a wound and you know in the best case scenario you're just going to have a big scar so the question is whether you just are you, you going to put the work in now to get that wound to heal or are you going to just last faster and faster and get worse so um yeah so the so the best case scenario do i have a scar now that's the question um and yeah it's funny i when i, I wrote the book i finished writing it in may 2020 and i put it aside i purposely did that because I, when you write if you keep on reading it really you don't see any of the things you have to change so i re reread it in december so that's four months ago before the for the final that i did a whole read through and i was like god i forgot it was like that way <laughs> i i forgot i I didn't recognize myself and I think that's a good sign that I've moved on in my understanding um, and and I'm I'm different now I'm different from what I was by the end of the book which is nice um, but also what's been you know people have often said you know is it terrible that the kids have losing their fathers for so so young but actually I think it's been good that we've been I've, I had the kids because they forced me to move. Um, I, 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 I was very lucky. Um, I was sent on such a beautiful thing about, you know, you don't never move on. You never move on for somebody you love. You move forward with them. And I think we, the kids made me move forward because they are growing up. They are becoming young men. So I had to move with them. I had to move forward. But we'll always move forward with Paige. And that's, and that's I think, is, is healthy. Um, and the kids have been great. Like they're so funny. <laughs> so, so the latest one was that my littlest one, who's now five, he said to me yesterday, "Did you know that le with leprechauns, leprechauns, you can have four wishes?" And I'm like, 
like I've never heard that. Like I don't know where you go. I'm like, okay. And then he said, so one of my wishes is that Daddy comes back. Oh. And I was like, oh. So I was like, okay. So you know leprechauns don't exist. <laughs> and then the the bigger one was like, what do you mean there's no crock of gold at the end of the rainbow? <laughs> at all and you know you know you don't know whether they're gonna cry or laugh uh, you just go with it you know and and so they've been great just to to just to ground you and mm. and we move together we're, we're very close-knit now you know um do you drag them yeah. up the mountains in flip-flops as well no <laughs> no <laughs> steady boots we go orienteering we go orienteering oh, so, and I think orienteering is a fantastic so also for me you know when I said I get quite stressed about racing you know the orienteering is great that you've got two minutes staggered starts and you're, somebody's before us and you've no idea if they're ahead of you or behind you so I find that so, not stressful so that's been my go-to sport and what I'll do is I'll bring them on their yellow course the the, the, the easiest course and then yeah. I'll and then I'll, somebody an orienteer will just keep an eye on them and I'll go out for my course. So it's been, that's been the healthiest thing for us to all get a bit of exercise. It's like a little fun. treasure hunt for kids. Well, and big kids as well. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, I think it's about, you know, what you're saying about you try some things and you try other things. And, um, you know, we try, like I tried doing a hill walk for, in memory of Pete. And I was like, I, you know, this isn't working for me. I'd be the orienteering dead. You know, running didn't work. Walking dead. So, you know, and I think that's where I, there's, it's not prescriptive, the, the book. It's very much, you know, I tried this, that worked, that didn't work. You know, as, like I, I joke about it at the start, but, you know, the first two months, drinking and swearing was my... <laughs> 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 to be honest, if you carried on that for two years, we always wouldn't have judged you at all. Like, that was fine. Whatever <laughs> worked. It would have, would have yeah. made this interview far more, far more, far more interesting. Yeah. Next Colour, time... More, more. The beer's on me. <laughs> oh, I could tell you some stories about the ferry boat in down in Newcastle. And... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> club guys are scandalous. Is, is it still there? Is it the ferry? Oh, absolutely. They slaughter us all. Jesus, they're fast, those lads. Right. But yeah. No, it's some, uh, some wild drinking nights I had down in, oh, no. in Newcastle. Talk about them on the mountains. I only see, see them passing. I, I, I can't keep up with them on the drinking. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 the, and the proper Guinness, well, it just yeah, it floors me. But better than as, the as, rubbish you say you have in England. Marcus, before you came came on, he said, "Oh, you've got proper Guinness." As I said, "No, in England, the Guinness is shite. We just have normal Guinness." <laughs> it's normal. normal Guinness. Excellent, fantastic. Oh, it's been brilliant chatting to you this evening, and it's been yeah, no tears. I, I know that was. <laughs> You know, like I've seen you guys on social media and winning the spine and winning the dragons back. And I was just like, oh my God, I am meeting ultra running royalty. And then I saw Megan and Harry on uh, online and I was like, oh no, I can't call them royalty because that's not, I don't think that's, that's <laughs> it is. I am, you know, I don't think, I don't think you realize you inspire us to keep going you know i i i love your photographs on twitter i can i gush now <laughs> <laughs> well we'll just let you know that we're moving to la shortly and, uh... i can't take the press intrusion <laughs> <laughs> but no thank you guys just keep doing what you're doing it's just so lovely um you know no, well, you've inspired me as well because I'm doing my mountain leader assessment in a few months, and then you were taking it so seriously in the book and very solemnly. And I'm like, actually, I need to take. I'm going to do what Moira <laughs> and take some people out to teach navigation because I've well, just been like, oh, that's, whatever. <laughs> that's a perfect excuse for you to come to the Morns because you have to have three mountain ranges. So the peak testing will be enough. You have to have three. So the Morns come. Excellent. Uh, and then before we kind of our egos get too inflated and we, and we can't leave the, the living room we, we apologize Sherlock hasn't joined us this evening he's been asleep he's on the, the other sofa um, and snoring um I just as we come to a close as uh, somebody who's taken people into into the hills and into the mountains and we've got had quite a few people joining us live on um YouTube have been enjoying us so thanks Guy Vinny good luck to that guy who is going to be running his first 50k ultra marathon in Guildford it says brackets hilly um, don't know. Guildford isn't <laughs> known for 
But Hilly Burt, I'm sure. It, but good maybe luck, guys. But he's raising for charity on the third of April, so good luck for that. Um, but maybe for those who, you know, who aren't into the mountains and maybe trail runners are running around a local park and yeah, you know, look at images, pictures like we got in the background there of the mountains. What would be a very simple piece of advice that you would maybe give to somebody who's thinking, right, I want to go out in the mountains? What would be kind of a, a good look we could end on a little bit of kind of advice for somebody who might want to head out to mountains? Go orienteering. Go orienteering, honestly, because, you know, you have the the, the, the yellow course, which is two kilometres and it's all, you know, on paths. And then you, you, you have a progression through all the, the six or seven courses you have on and you get into a group and, and there's events. So you have a reason to go and it's really family friendly. So it's not just you as an individual. If you have your partner or like we bring our dog, you know, it's and it, and then somewhere in forests and somewhere in mountains. And it gets you that. And it's and if you, you know, get lost, you can just walk, go back where you came and walk home. So, you know, I think orienteering is super for getting you um staging you into getting into mountain running brilliant excellent that is not the answer i expected but that's a fantastic <laughs> one no it's brilliant perfect no i completely endorse that I haven't been an orienteer myself and that's how i kind of got into the, the mountains and mountain marathons so yeah. fully think that's a fantastic fantastic idea for people so well thank you for joining us so much um this evening um oh thank the running guy <laughs> says it's that girlfriend's hilly compared to where he lives so <laughs> maybe we shouldn't laugh <laughs> so well before we offend everybody who lives down down south and we end up everybody just suddenly untuning or unsubscribing um thank you so much. if people want to get a copy of the book how yeah, if you're in Ireland, you can pick it up out of Eaton's. Um, if you're on UK mainland, um, Amazon, as usual, or Waterstones, or whatever. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, congratulations for it. And thank yeah, you. Thank you. I thank just you. thought Thanks it was really, really honest and a really powerful account. It, it's great. Thanks so yeah. much. You're really, really kind. And thank you for coming on this evening and sharing with us as well and keeping the boys... I'm busy with Minecraft. <laughs> Minecraft. <laughs> they loved it. They're like, keep talking. We get to play. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant, pa- brilliant parent. And not being drunk and swearing on St. Patrick's Day. So thank you very much for doing that. And uh, <laughs> hopefully we will see you in the mountains. Yeah, yeah. We, we will oh, come over. It's been a while since I've been over to the Mourns. But it's, yeah, an amazing place. So uh, yeah. thank you so much for yeah, joining us this evening. Thank you, Take okay. care. <laughs> Brilliant, there we go. Ah, fantastic. That was an amazing, really enjoyable chat this evening. Who have we... Oh. ...in the world, and I think we have a lot to be happy for, so I hope I... <laughs> no, that was fine. It was more that I was warning you if I did cry. <laughs> Why? But I haven't cried. That Excellent. Far. Brilliant. That's fine. <laughs> Fantastic. So who have we got on next week? So next week we're all about park run. Complete change from park mountains. Park run, so we're going from mountains to park run. And, and we've got um, Eileen Jones coming on about um, talking about her new book, which are all the stories another around Another book. Run. This is going to be like book club. Sorry, but we've got so much kind of books. Next week you telling me Damien Hall's got a book coming out as well. Oh, I don't know about that. Um, right. Thank you so much for joining us. If you've um, enjoyed being with us this evening and uh, want to keep in touch with what's happening on the YouTube channel, click the subscribe button down below if you've been listening to us on podcasts while you've been out for a run or just however you listen to your podcast thank you for taking us along and if you've enjoyed it please give us a review down below it helps us in the ratings and we look forward to seeing you all next week stay safe and we'll catch you soon Bye 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 hi it's claire here i hope you enjoyed this podcast these live chats take place every Wednesday evening at 6.30pm UK time on World Ginger Running YouTube channel. And the link is in the show notes. I just wanted to let you know that you can find this and loads more advice and inspiration and gear tests all about trail and ultra running on my YouTube channel, Wild Ginger Running. There are training tips, advice from elite athletes, top coaches, nutritious recipes, key exercises, injury prevention information, and tons of trail kit reviewed from running packs to poles, waterproofs to head torches, GPS watches, and shoes, 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 and did I mention shoes? I've been going for a few years now, so there's a huge archive of content to help you out with your trail and ultra running. 
To quickly and easily find the information you need, simply type your query into the Google search box and then write wild ginger running after it. Then Google will show you whatever blog posts or films I have on that topic. Give it a try. And if you appreciate listening and all the information that I share on YouTube, you're also very welcome to support me on Patreon, which gets you some additional excellent perks and the chance to win some awesome prizes. For as little as the price of a cup of coffee every month, patrons get discounts, extra films, access to the exclusive Facebook and Strava groups, the chance to ask questions to every live chat guest, plus automatic entry into my monthly competition to win £400 worth of trail and ultra running gear. There are only about 150 patrons, so the odds on a win are way better than the lottery. Interested? Find me at patreon.com slash wildgingerrunning. Thanks for listening, guys. Have fun, enjoy your run, and I'll see you on the trails.